What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome to Politics by Faith. Grateful you're here. This is our most recent TV show that we did on the threat of terrorism here in America. Jeez, isn't that... So I'll let you all, we'll all have a little flashback to 23 years ago, talking about terrorism, but here we are. So we talk about it, but I tried to provide, listen, we had to talk about reality, but I tried to provide some, some peace in the midst of it as well. Touching on a few of the themes we've hit during our morning motivations as well, but hopefully tying it in in a more complete way for you. Here it is. America's greatest country in the world. Welcome to our special America on Alert, imminent threat. Did you know that there were this many Palestinian flags in your country? I had no idea. You see these protests all over the country. How are there so many Palestinian flags? Like, like some of these protests have happened, I guess, within like the ability for Amazon to deliver to people's houses. But some of these uh, protests were right after Hamas murdered 1,400 Jews in Israel, like, like the day, like the day after. So that means people had these Palestinian flags on hand, ready to wave in the streets. So who are these people in the streets waving these flags? Different groups of people, I suppose. Maybe let's break them up into three groups. One group are uh, people who have been brainwashed into supporting the oppressed all the time. Right? It's like solidarity. They think of themselves as, as, as like allies. Right? So if I'm a member of an oppressed group, I have to support uh, any other oppressed group as well as an ally. And Israel is the big bad military, and they're the occupiers and the colonizers against poor little old Gaza. So we have to support the Palestinians. Right? So that's one group. And that's where you get uh, it's like ignorant white women and queers for Palestine. <laughs> queers for Palestine. Did you ever look at that thing? What is that flag? Good night. You wave that in Palestine and they will cut your head off. All right, so you got that group of people, just like the the fellow oppressed. Then you have terrorist 
sympathizers. These are people that have just come out of the woodwork over the last uh, right, right, months here, right? Uh, college professors cheering on Hamas, a terrorist organization. This woman right here, right? she posted this cartoon. We can't even show it on the TV. It is a cartoon of five babies on their backs with a star of David sliding across and severing off the heads of the babies that are now separated from their bodies and blood is gushing everywhere. Okay, she posted that on her Facebook page. Now you're like, oh, well, you're a crazy woman and people do crazy things all the time. She was a lecturer at the University of San Diego and she was a prominent San Diego interfaith leader, all right? Her husband is the head imam at the Islamic Center of San Diego, which is the largest mosque in San Diego, which just so happens to be where two of the 9-11 hijackers went when they were learning how to fly airplanes into buildings. So we have these sympathizers to terrorists that have come out of the woodwork, and uh, I had no idea there were that many of them. Then, you have your terrorists. And I don't know what the answer is to this question. What's the line between a terrorist sympathizer and a terrorist? Is it this, this huge cavern that can never be crossed? Or is it a very fine line that could be crossed in a moment's notice? Hard to say. I suppose we'll know soon enough. Either way, it's not a small number. And it's getting worse with people coming across our border. Forget about the homegrown. Oh, that's a problem, too. But we're bringing in more people. We found out fiscal year 2023, two and a half million encounters at the border, right? plus 600,000 known gotaways. Known gotaways. So we're well over 3 million illegal immigrants in the last fiscal year. Now you're thinking, okay, that, that's just, what about the unknown gotaways? I don't even know. Like, who, we don't know. If there's 600,000 known gotaways, is there that many unknown gotaways? More? I don't know. So we're millions and millions of people come across the border in one year. Right? That doesn't include people who are here on an expired visa, which is about 60% of the people who are here illegally are here on an expired visa. Now, they didn't come across the border. They flew in with a visa and they just stayed over. 60% of the people here illegally, right? That's how the 9-11 hijackers got here. Okay, so not all these people are terrorists. Right? Let's say there's three, four million people who come across our border. They're not terrorists. Okay. Because uh, some of them, like, uh, you know, whatever. Peru. But we have a number for how many people could be terrorists, a closer number, more accurate number. Last, or fiscal, last fiscal year, there were 73,000 people who were caught at the border, caught, who are what we call special interest aliens. These are people from countries with known terrorist ties, like... Uh, Middle Eastern countries, Somalia, Yemen, places like that. 73,000 of those. On top of that, we caught 150 people who are on the terror watch list. They're already on it. Right? So the 73,000 are people who could maybe like should be on it or like who knows what they really believe. And like, like, but we have 150 people who are already on the watch list that we caught. We don't know how many we missed. What are we here? Why would they, if you are on the terror watch list, why would you want?
other than to commit terror. Like, they want to work in the strawberry fields? They want to come make a better life for themselves? They're giving up their life of terrorism in Somalia, and they're coming here to America to start a family. What are, what are, what are, we, what are we doing? Why are they here? What was their plan? Well, the head of the Department of Homeland Security went in front of the Senate and pretty much refused to answer any question about this, about people coming across our border, about known terror groups, saying that the Homeland Security uh, takes appropriate enforcement action. Hmm. One of the senators asked the head of, uh, Mayorkas is his name, the head of Homeland Security, uh, if he would provide a, a list of the countries countries of origin of the people who have come across who are on that terror watch list. And he said that that data would be provided at, quote, an appropriate setting, meaning not a public setting. So it leads one to believe, and that's the theme of our special here, this word sleeper cell. It's been a while since maybe you've heard this word sleeper cell. Is it a real thing, a sleeper cell? And if it's real, is it a real concern? We'll talk about that with some of our wonderful experts coming up next. How much have these sleeper cells infiltrated America? We'll know one day. But we now know more than ever how many of these people, at least sympathizers, have infiltrated our systems. From academia, as we just talked about, to the media. Do you remember the story of the rocket that was launched out of Gaza and it failed and it hit the hospital in Gaza and everyone in the media blamed Israel for it? Remember that story, right? One of the uh, CNN authors of that one of those stories, I was like, oh, I wonder who this person is. Her name's Hannah Sak Noor. And I just went to her Twitter profile, and it's right there. She has the Palestinian flag right in her, in her Twitter bio. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, You'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. The intellectual rot is deep inside of our country already, and they've been pushing this on our kids for a long time now. Recent poll, I believe it was Harvard, 51% of young people, 51% 18 to 24-year-olds think that what Hamas did was justified. And people kept focusing on the young, can you guys throw that up one more time? People keep focusing on the young people, uh, 18 to 24, but the next bracket, 25 to 34, it's 40, what is it, 48? 48, it's not much better. Gosh, has our culture changed so much? But that's just it. That's just who we are now. Do you know what I mean? Like 9-11 was a shock when it happened. It was a total shock to most people. It was to me. Oh my 
guess maybe now if something happened, if there was a terrorist attack, maybe maybe we won't be shocked when it happens. Is that a consolation? I don't know. But gosh, we have forgotten. We have forgotten. We've forgotten so many truths. We've just forgotten it. Quick, quick sidebar. Uh, we talked about this on my podcast the other day, Politics by Faith. I'll just do the very quick video. So Joshua uh, and, and, and uh, God parted the, jo- the, river, the Jordan River, right? And uh, Joshua and the Israelites walked across to the Promised Land. And God told Joshua to get 12 stones and make a memorial of this event so that your children and grandchildren will see the memorial and ask, what are these rocks for? And you can explain to them all the things that God did for you, that I, God, did for you, right? And they did. And, and the book of Judges, the next book, the book of Judges, says that everyone is going great. Everything was going great when they were, Joshua was alive and the elders were alive and things were, uh, they were obeying God and they were following the commandments of the Torah and everything was wonderful. And then the rest of Judges, Judges 2, everything goes to pot because Joshua dies and the elders died. And while they were alive, the people of Israel uh, served the Lord all the days. But then these, uh, the elders died. And uh, Judges 2 says, There arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. They forgot. And then they just kept on doing again and again and again what was right in their own eyes, disobeying God, and it went very poorly for them. And it's because they forgot. They forgot what they had. They forgot what was important. They forgot who they were. And I fear that that is... Who we are. I mean, let's say you got 48%, you got half of people, 34, and you know, 34 is like pretty old. So it's like half of 34 years and under, like, you know what? Hamas got a pretty good point. And they were justified in murdering babies. And I, just, I, I like, I have a sinking suspicion, I hope this isn't true, that if there was a terrorist attack in America, I feel like half of Americans would be like, you know, that, that sounds about right. I think that's okay. We have been pretty bad, you know. Like, like if 9 11 happened now, I think half of Americans would be like, you know, Osama bin Laden has a good point. And it's because we totally forgot who we are. We forgot what's important. This is why Reagan's line, freedom is a fragile thing and never more than one generation away from extinction. Like, that's what he meant. <laughs> that's true. Like, that, that's what happened with the Israelites. They forgot. And Reagan said, those who, have no, those who have known freedom and then have lost it have never known it again. And we are at a, we're at a tight spot right now. And when there is a terrorist attack in this country, I don't know how we will react to it. If we have completely lost sight of what we're defending and who we are and what makes this country special, then we will not react well. So how big is this threat? We'll talk about it next, right here on The First TV. Spread the word. I cannot tell you how really proud I am. I mean that. I can't think of any other company I'm proud of. I mean, like, like, I'm so proud of you, Nike. Like, I, like, but with Public Square, I am proud of them, of Michael for what he's built and his building and how it's growing. And it's really spectacular. So he solved the, the problem. The problem was woke companies. Okay. I don't want to give my money to woke companies anymore. Not only woke companies, I don't want to give my companies who then take that money and donate it to Planned Parenthood. Okay. Like, can we stop giving our money to people who are actively fighting against the things we believe in? So we created this new ecosphere, it's called Public Square. And companies who share our values, they have to agree to five principles. Uh, they, uh, about freedom and pro-life and issues. And then they can be in this app and then you can buy from them. 
and you know that you're supporting good companies run by good people locally. So in, you hit near me and there's restaurants and coffee houses and stores near you that share your values and then you can buy uh, across the country as well. It's beautiful, it's perfect, it's wonderful. PublicSQ.com if you wanna read about those values and learn more about the company. But just download the app, it's totally free. It's totally, absolutely free in the App Store, Public Square. On top of the homegrown violent extremists and domestic violent extremist threat, we also cannot and do not discount the possibility that Hamas or another foreign terrorist organization may exploit the current conflict to conduct attacks here on our own soil. We have kept our sights on Hamas and have multiple ongoing investigations into individuals affiliated with that foreign terrorist organization. Hmm. Right. It's the FBI director, Chris Ray. Dakota Wood is here. He was the lead operational logistics planner for U.S. Central Command during the initial uh, response to September 11th, 2001, which we talked a bit about in the opening segment. He's now the senior research fellow uh, at the Center for National Defense at the wonderful Heritage Foundation. Mr. Wood, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I wish we were talking about, you know, more optimistic, positive things rather than terrorists. I know. Here we are again, you know, 20 years ago. My gosh, you were in the thick of it. What's different about our country now than 20 years ago during 2001? Well, I, I think this is just a, a nature of people and human behavior, that after you've been dealing with a problem for a while, it becomes old, people become complacent. Um, you know, the threats that were really manifest in 9-11, uh, we still had smoldering wreckage in uh, you know, a field in Pennsylvania and New York City and Washington, D.C., the Pentagon area. But after all that period of time, it kind of recedes into the background. And so we tend to forget that there are enemies of the United States active in the world plotting to do harm against uh, us and our interests and, and, our, and our citizens. But that can sound like warmongering and fearmongering, and other issues come up in the news cycle to take its place. So there was clarity in 2001, uh, clarity in 2003 when you know, we invaded uh, or liberated Iraq, depending on your choice of words, and now we're seeing what's going on in the Middle East. And, People tend to want to avoid hard truths until it really comes to bite them uh, in yet one more terrorist attack. And that's kind of where we're at today. Yeah, that's right. How high, and you can use any scale you'd like, I don't know how you, people like you, smart people like you think about this, but how high would you say the threat is of a considerable terrible uh, terrorist attack in America? I, my my uh, assessment would be a seven or eight. You know, people will tend to want to go to the upper end of a scale, but when you do that, then there is no higher, you can't go to 11 or 12, right, on a 10-point scale yeah. when something really does manifest. But, you know, you all have been tracking the number of illegals coming across the border, how many are on the terror watch list, how many tens of thousands are from countries of concern, meaning our authorities don't have somebody to talk to on the other end to run a criminal background check or something along those lines. So when you've got 120 or 150 known individuals on the terror watch list that have come across the border uh, just during the term that Joe Biden has been office, it's a very concerning thing. The nature of cells, right, sleeper cells, 
is that they're sleeper, right? <laughs> you know, they maintain secrecy. They try to hide their movements and the nature of their communications. Whereas on the defense side, meaning our law enforcement and intelligence uh, agencies, uh, they have to get it right every single time. The terrorist only has to get it right once. So, you know, think about the, the uh, bombings that occurred at the Boston Marathon. Think about what could occur at an entertainment venue uh, here in the United States, you know, or a music concert or a shopping mall. So when you have people who are undocumented moving around in the United States, you have the United States in support of Israel against terror elements like Hamas, it is not beyond the realm of possibility and even likelihood that there are groups in the United States plotting to do harm to the United States and our citizens. Why do sleeper cells still sleep? Or maybe flip it around. What would cause a sleeper cell to be awake and do something? Well, yeah, it's, it's all timing and opportunity. So uh, one, uh, you have to get into the country. You have to be able to hide your presence or to merge inside the population in some way. I doubt that those on the terror watch list were heading to California for $20 an hour jobs at a fast food restaurant, right? They're here to do harm. So now you have to accumulate intelligence. You have to get the equipment, you know, a munition or an explosive, uh, develop your plan of attack, whatever that is. And then there's opportunity. You know, do you go out on a Saturday morning? Is there some big gathering? Are you actually responding to somebody in the Middle East? And maybe they want to hold you in kind of a holding pattern or in a sleeper sort of mode until some bigger plan manifests. You know, maybe Iran is planning to attack Israel, the United States would be there for Israel, but Iran would just as soon have something really bad happen domestically to distract the United States government and our citizenry. So there are all these variables at play, and unless you're inside that command structure and that planning element, it's really hard to know for certain what their timing and what their decision-making apparatus really is. Yes, yes, and I'm thinking of, you brought up Boston Marathon. I'm thinking of what a terrorist attack could even look like these days. I guess it could be two brothers, like in Boston, or 18, like it doesn't take a lot of people, 9-11 was 18 people. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if we have any numbers of how many Hamas terrorists killed 1,400 in Israel, but it could be, I guess it could be like a couple hundred guys doing like a full on blown, like big operation in America. That'd be crazy. What, what are you thinking it could look like? Well, I mean, the, the possibilities ran that entire gamut. You know, the more people you have involved, the more opportunity there is for leaks, for do, somebody doing something stupid that kind of gives away the plan. Uh, out of some sense of bravado or whatever, they post something to social media that you know triggers some kind of an artificial intelligent driven algorithm looking for keywords or phrases or some kind of communications network, right? So the more people you have involved, especially in a coordinated way, the more risk the organization or the terrorist element runs. So the more effective way is to have very small, down to the level of the individual or maybe a couple of people that are operating almost independently. And a terrorist organization really benefits if somebody is sympathetic to their cause, but is acting on their own volition, right? I'm gonna show my solidarity with Hamas or Hezbollah or Iran because I hate Jews or whatever that reason is. And so they take it upon themselves you know, to grab a high powered rifle or to manufacture an explosive uh, out of fertilizer. You know, remember Timothy McVeigh, 
in Oklahoma City many years ago uh, that had nothing to do with a foreign entity. It was it was actually a domestic, you know, terrorism sort of thing. We had the big shooting incident that occurred at a country music concert in Las Vegas. So these things yeah, can yeah. spring uh, from a domestic audience. It doesn't have to be masterminds in Tehran, Iran, right? But it can be a, an individual possessing the willingness to do something and then just choosing a method of attack. A big SUV plowing through a crowd, you know, it's some kind of demonstration can certainly put a lot of harm and damage and kill people. So the, 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 the possibilities run the gamut of the imagination. Well, let me ask you this a uh, bit of a philosophical question, Brett. I remember back when, 20 years ago, when we were having conversations like this, and people said, oh, you're overblowing it, Mr. Wood. It's not a big deal. Uh, a shooting here or there, whatever. Cancer kills a thousand times more people or whatever. Like, let's keep it into perspective uh, versus other crimes and terrorism. Why is terrorism different to the psyche of a people, of a culture, of a civilization than other regular run-of-the-mill normal crime? Yeah, well, why are machine guns and mortar rounds somehow acceptable in combat, but poison gas isn't? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's and I'm not making light of it. I'm saying that there is a psyche, you know, exactly what you're talking about, the psychological effect in terms of, of how the use of violence or force is kind of normalized and socially accepted or approved rule sets. So we have police officers that carry a firearm and can use that under the authority of law, but it's different for somebody to take the same kind of firearm and break into a home and shoot the homeowner dead in order to steal something out of the, you know, a dresser drawer, right? So it's the application of violence in different ways. Um, you know, nerve agents and poison gas and those sorts of things have generally been outlawed uh, by most civilized uh, communities, right? Um, and yet everybody has missiles, everybody wants fighter aircraft and bombs. So it's the sense of terrorism that it springs up unexpected, that it attacks people at their most vulnerable. Uh, you know, if you're on a war footing, you're kind of expecting a uniformed, understood enemy to operate in certain ways. But when something comes at you from inside the community, and usually it is not striking at hardened targets like a police station or a military force, it's striking kids at an elementary school or shoppers out at the local grocery store. And there's just something wrong about that in this psychological normative state that we normally consider civilization and societies to operate within that sort of a framework. Yeah, absolutely. We've got about one minute, sir. Uh, how do you recommend people watching right now stay safe on an individual personal level? Well, you know, it's sometimes we use phrases so often to become trite and nobody really, you know, gives some consideration. But that phrase, you know, see something, say something. Uh, you should know your community. You should know what's going on in and around a school or sports functions. Uh, and if you see something out of the ordinary, you know, say something about that. Nobody's going to hold you, you know, to blame for, for sending up an alarm. You know, the vast majority of people are rational, reasonable, good folks. And if they're concerned about something, they should say that. So it's just individual awareness. We, in the D.C. area, we hear about carjackings and armed robberies and, and other sorts of crimes that occur at like 2 o'clock in the morning at some gas station or an alleyway. 
Why anybody is out walking down an alleyway at two o'clock in the morning is just nonsensical to me. It doesn't mean that they deserve to be attacked, but there is something about how we behave individually and maintaining awareness of our surroundings, being aware of our own personal security. And if you see something out of the ordinary, you know, reach out to the local police officer or mention something to a family member who can take action on that. And so I think this individual responsibility and obligation, not only for your own circumstances, but for your broader community is really the way to, to deal with these sorts of, of, of domestic problems when we get terrorism inside of our borders. Dakota Wood from the Heritage Foundation. Colonel Wood, wonderful to talk to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I'm grateful. Uh, in the name of the perfect storm that, that is our country right now, uh, with political correctness today, I wonder if, I fear that if you do say something, you see something out of the ordinary and, and you bring it to police or whatever, you get in trouble for Islamophobia, as we were told. Remember that was the biggest problem? Remember when the Nashville murderer killed a bunch of kids? We were told that uh, the White House said, our hearts go out to the transgender community for all the, the hate that they're receiving. And after Hamas killed a bunch of Jews, uh, Kamala Harris lectured the country on the rise of Islamophobia. So I fear that if you do say something, you'll be accused of being uh, Islamophobe or whatever. Coming next, Mike Baker, host of one of the top news podcasts in the country, President's Daily Brief, former CIA agent. We'll talk to him next about these sleeper cells. Mike Slater, First TV, spread the word. Patriot Gold Group. They call themselves Patriot for a reason. They are a, a proud patriot, <laughs> right? They, they could have called themselves, I don't know, what's like, like a generic gold company name, but they didn't. They know who they are and they're not, they're not ashamed about it at all. And they sell gold. So you can give them a call and you can talk about a no fee for life IRA where your IRA or 401ks in physical world and silver. Uh, and you may be eligible for a no-fee-for-life IRA on qualifying rollovers, or you can just buy gold, just buy a gold bar. I have uh, the gold, it's like the size of a credit card, and it breaks off into little pieces. That's the, in case it hits the fan gold, where you actually need it to trade and like with people, like for gas or whatever. Uh, but lots of different options of gold and silver for you. And I think, I don't know, who knows, right? But I think gold will get more expensive as the debt goes up, if nothing else. As China Natural Bank, uh, National Bank buys all the gold, I think gold will get more expensive. So uh, here's the number. Give them a call, get your free investor's guide and see if this is smart for you. 1-888-617-6122. 888-617-6122. Or pay, oh, this is by the way, top rated gold IRA dealer seven years in a row. I'm not gonna tell you about the fifth best gold company. I'm gonna tell you about the best. Patriotgoldgroup.com. Was, is it possible that somebody who wants to commit a terrorist attack during a time of elevated threat crossed the southern border into the United States already? I, I couldn't possibly answer that question, Peter. All I can do is tell you that we, are, we have remained vigilant to that potential threat. Hmm. Mike Baker is here. He's the host of the President's Daily Brief podcast, one of the top news podcasts on Spotify. It's awesome. You must check it out. He's also the CEO of Portsman Square Group, former CIA officer. Mike, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. How high would you rate our risk of a terrorist attack here in America? Well, I've never been a, a fan of the of the color coding, to tell you the truth. 
yeah. I think it, there's too much of a range in there. And, and, and besides people, people, you know, they, they get kind of immune to, you know, the terrorist threat level. Everybody came out of the global war on terror and people are frankly just fatigued. And so I think a lot of folks are surprised by the fact that we're talking about this again. Uh, but the reality is a terrorist threat never goes away. So at a certain point, if you want to think about it on a scale of, say, one to five, um, then we have elevated, say we're at, you know, a two. You can never stay at a high level, right? People just can't do it. Um, but from a local law enforcement state and federal law enforcement perspective in the intel community, if, say, we were at a two, you know, no, no obvious chatter, no real indications out there. We're not picking up anything. But, you know, you know the threat always exists. We're elevated now to a three because we've got a significant issue, right? And anytime you've got chaos like what's going on in the Middle East right now, uh, that chaos is exactly what terror groups are looking for. And they're always looking to maximize those opportunities. What is a sleeper cell? We've heard this term, and I think we all have a vision in our brain, like we're making a movie in our head about what a sleeper cell looks like. How should we visualize that? Yeah, um, you know what? It, it depends. It, it, it has different connotations um, when you are talking about, you know, different concerns. So like when you're talking about counterintelligence, right, or espionage, then people can maybe they saw the, the TV show The Americans, right? That's an example of a sleeper cell. And, and the Russians, you know, over the years, the Chinese, others have done that very well. You basically are putting people in to the fabric of society in another country that you're targeting. And those people are basically with very little, you know, condensed time frame. You could be talking about decades. They establish themselves. They're just your neighbors. Um, they're getting a job. Maybe they get another job eventually. Maybe they get a job at an interesting company, meaning that they're producing something. It doesn't have to be a government-based company. It could be doing anything, pharmaceuticals, a uh, new formula for uh, material science. It could be anything. So that's one type of sleeper cell. When you're talking about the terror threat, it's... Uh, it's a little bit different, uh, but what they're still doing is they're looking for those cooperative contacts within a community where they already exist and they live and they're part of that fabric and they're in the country, right? That's what you want. You want somebody who isn't on anybody's radar. And then what you do is if they're not already cooperative or sympathetic, right? And maybe you've learned as a terror group, they're sympathetic because you've been paying attention to their social media, you know, then you draw them in. And, you know, that depends on how heavy a lift that is, is depends on how sympathetic they are to that particular terror group's, you know, cause. Hmm. We've seen a lot of sympathy in these last uh, couple of weeks and months here towards the terrorism. Yeah, yeah, a shocking amount. Uh, I, I didn't know there were so many Palestinian flags in my country. Um, what <laughs> are the capabilities of the CIA? Hmm. And what, what is the CIA not capable of doing not I don't mean critical it's just like oh, like we just can't do this or don't know or these are unknown things that we can't do just humans can't do so what are we on top of and what can't we be on top of as a CIA officer right well and, and look the, the focus for the agency is always overseas right so you have to think about this as sort of this this task force that exists and and now after 9-11 look before 9-11 that task force concept wasn't necessarily as, as efficient obviously as it should have been in terms of the the bureau nsa the agency and others working together sharing information over the years since 9-11 uh, we've had a lot more experience doing that we've become much better at not siloing our information. So the agency's focus is overseas. They feed intelligence on concerns, on terror groups, on individuals, 
on activities uh, into this this task force, essentially, right? NSA is doing the same with communications intercepts that they're picking up. And, you know, the SIGINT that we talk about, signals intelligence, uh, and that goes in. And, and then you've got the FBI and, and state and local law enforcement, and they're working domestically within the U.S. to act on that. Right, to identify if you do, as you pointed out, the sleeper cell, if you've got somebody who's in communication with a known terrorist target overseas, say that the agency is watching, along with our liaison partners, then that individual suddenly becomes a, a, a target of interest here in the States because he's in contact with a terrorist group. You would assume, you know, that, you know, the U.S. population would want us doing that, right? Uh, sometimes people get squirrely with, you know, civil rights and everything, but at the end of the day, if you've got verifiable intelligence that shows that individual is talking to a terrorist group, then yeah, you better be on it. Uh, the agency is, is very good at this. It's a human endeavor, right? And so it's, you never get the risk down to zero. Uh, but we, uh, you know, I would, I would argue, of course, I'm subjective. I would argue the agency is the best intel organization on the planet. Yeah, totally. And I just, there's, it's a big country and it's a big world. And as you said, we're dealing with humans here. So things are yeah. going to not cross over, communicate properly, and there's going to be holes. And I just worry that something's going to fall through one of those holes. That's how that would happen, probably. Um, well, look, what in southern what? Israel, Go ahead. Uh, with the attack on 7 October, is an example of how you can have a, a well, a, a massive you know, intel failure. And they've been doing a hot wash on that ever since 7 October uh, to understand how that happened, what pieces you miss. Right? And, and, and what bits and, and, and pieces of intel that at the time seemed of no consequence. But when you put them all together yes. and you step back, yes. right, and suddenly maybe you see a picture. It's the same with 9-11, leading up to 9-11. Right? There were pieces of intel missed, not necessarily because we didn't have them in our hands, but we didn't understand the, the value of them. Right? And we weren't adding them to other bits and pieces of intel that were coming in from a variety of sources, whether it was human intelligence, SIGINT, whatever it might be. And so that's a problem. But yeah, you never get this down to zero. But I guess going back to your original question, where are we on the alert scale? I'll be honest with you, the intel community and, and law enforcement, you know, they're always up, you know, near the top of the alert scale because they understand that the threat never goes away and that's the job, right? And you, but, you know, from a public perception, you can't be up there. Public perception, people walking around the streets doing their daily lives, you know, you know pay attention but you can't expect the general public to be at a high level of alert all the time. I think that's right. We've got about 30 seconds. It's a tough question for 30 seconds, Mike, but uh, the 150 or so people who have come across our border that we've caught that are on the terror watch list, how concerned about them should we be? Like, what is it? Is it a high bar to get on the terror watch list? Or is it just someone from Somalia that maybe has a cousin or something? I don't know. Like, what does it take to yeah. get on that list? It's something we should be very concerned about. And more than, than those individuals that we've encountered, we need to be concerned about the, an unknown number of people that we haven't encountered, right? I mean, if a conservative estimate over the past couple of years is that we've got a million and a half gotaways, right? Then in that case, you know, you imagine that within a million and a half gotaways, there's probably some people coming in here that would be considered special interest aliens or from countries that support or promote terrorism. Whether we're talking about Syria, Iran, uh, it doesn't matter, Yemen, so yes, the answer to your question in 30 seconds is people should be very concerned. Yeah, Mike Baker, go listen every day to the President's Daily Brief. It's one of the top news podcasts on Spotify and everywhere else, that President's Daily Brief. Mike, great to talk to you, brother. Appreciate it.
Good. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Let's come back and uh, try our best to turn to find some good news in this. Right? We always like to end on a positive note. We'll do that next. Mike Slater, the first TV. Spread the word. Welcome back to our special America on Alert, imminent threat. Hopefully we've answered the question mark at the end of that title there. I want to try to end on a good note here today. I'm grateful you've, you've been here throughout it. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, a quote attributed to him. He said, the strength or weakness of a society depends more on the level of its spiritual life than on its level of industrialization. Neither a market economy nor even general abundance constitutes the crowning achievement of human life. If a nation's spiritual energies have been exhausted, it will not be saved from collapse by the most perfect government structure or by any industrial development. A tree with a rotten core cannot stand. Uh, people are, are too focused on how the country's doing based off its GDP. And that's good, right? We focus on, but it's the country's spiritual energies that matter more. We need to keep our spiritual life strong and healthy. Because if you're healthy, you're less likely to be infected with viruses, and there's plenty of those going around. I, uh, I want to play this video here. So there's all these videos that people have been taking of sympathizers, as we talked about in the first segment, tearing down these posters across cities, mostly in New York City. So people in New York City will put up these posters and this says, like, kidnapped at the top. And uh, big red letters says kidnapped, and then it's a picture of someone who's been kidnapped in, uh, by Hamas, right? And some of them are children. And people will go down, and they'll, they'll rip the signs down. <laughs> they'll rip them down. Now, they're doing broad daylight, and people will take video of them doing it, but these people are proud to be doing it, so the video doesn't matter. Now, here's a video of a Muslim guy, I assume Muslim, tearing down these signs. Now, notice that the original guy who, who's filming comes across like pretty weak. It's like, oh, hey, man, what are you, what are you doing, man? And then the video cuts to just two central casting New Yorkers. And notice the difference in posture of the, of the guy tearing down signs. At first, very proud, he's strutting around. And then with just a little bit, well, maybe more than a little bit, with some masculine imposition, he starts to cower. Here it is. Why'd you rip it off? Why'd you rip it off? Why'd you rip it off? Put it back. Why'd you rip it off? Put it back. Whoa, show me what you're holding. So, yeah, keep it on. No, what are you doing? You know where they are right now? Do you have any idea where they are right now? All right. I'm a veteran. I'm telling you. All right. Don't rip do it. I'm not Jewish. He's not Jewish. I don't know if he is or not. It doesn't matter. This is in the U.S. This is New York City. You don't have a right to touch that. This is a free country. You can wave your Palestine flag and say death to the Jews or America whenever you want. But we can put up Notice the guy's like, right? He starts doing this. My favorite part is, I don't know if you could hear the guy. He said, oh, it's littering. This is littering. I love that. But if you notice, like, like as if like, oh, we shouldn't, you're not like, he's like an HOA board president or something. Like you're not allowed to put 
like signs on poles. But on one of the signs he ripped off on the pole, there's two signs. One's like a furniture set coming up on the Saturday and the other is the, the, the kidnap sign. And he only rips down the kidnap sign, of course. But you can see like that's his cowering. Like at first he's very proud strutting around and then a little bit of masculine imposition and he just cowers down to the blabbering idiot about like, oh, it's littering, it's littering. Our friend Douglas Murray, he said, more men in the West need to behave like this. Don't just film evil people pulling down posters of kidnapped children. Confront them. So someone stumbled upon that construction man. Here he is. <laughs> this is how the superstars. Well, go ahead, just sit there and just over. Oh. Uh, no, I'm not a superstar. I'm just a regular guy who didn't like what I saw, and it, it shouldn't be celebrated what I did. It, it should be normal. Everyone should react like that. that. This shouldn't be a news story because someone doesn't like posters of murdered children and kidnapped children being taken down. This should be the norm, not the exception. What that guy was doing should be the exception. Anyway, that, that's it. <laughs> thank you. Listen, let me shake your hands, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. Let me see you So... At first, it takes that one man, but actually, he had a crowd, right? There, there are people behind him as well. There were other construction men there. He was just the one taking the lead. And then the coward will cower. I know I mentioned this in the first segment, but it's worth reiterating, thinking about. Do you remember 9-12? Do you remember September 12th, 2001? Do you remember the day after September 11th, the unity we had in America? I don't know if we'll ever feel that again. I think if it ever happened again, I, 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 think, I think you'd have, whatever, 70% of young people think, uh, you know, George Bush you know, caused this. It was George Bush's fault or, uh, you know, we, we did this and Osama had a pretty good, you know, it kind of made sense actually what in America is pretty bad or, and we've done bad things around. I think you get a lot of that. I think you get, if, if we had a terrorist, I don't know. I think if we had a terrorist attack like this, again, I don't know if the sleeping giant will awake from its slumber. No matter what happens, I think the sleeping giant has been poisoned. Because the enemy has, has planted a virus inside of our culture that makes us tolerant of evil. The social justice crowd has so perverted the concept of justice that we're told to ignore justice in the name of toleration. We need to be tolerant of evil even. But to tolerate evil is to deny justice. Be clear. Notice there wasn't after, the, after uh, the Hamas terrorist attack, there wasn't a lot of talk from the social justice crowd about justice. Romans 12 says, abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Abhor it. But instead we're told to tolerate it. Jesus in Revelation, he's calling out different churches and he says, I have this against you to one of the churches. He says that you tolerate the woman Jezebel. But that's what we do, we tolerate, we tolerate evil. And because of that, there will be judgment on us, there's no question. Uh, we made tolerance a virtue over truth. God doesn't. Psalm 5.4 says, For you are not a God uh, who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. We don't. God does. We don't. We tolerate it. We tolerate it. Let me end on this. This has been a theme on our podcast lately. 
that God is always in control. Because we need that peace. We need that peace of knowing that. Things seem, things seem chaotic and out of control, but we need to know that God is always in control. So this, this scene in Acts 3. So Peter just rebuked the Jewish people. Right? I was like, hey, like you killed Jesus. Right? And then he says, uh, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. And that's such a, it's such a great line because it's so easy to just read right past that quickly. Like I often do when I'm reading the Bible, I just read it and it's like, I don't really understand that. You just move on. But the word thus, he thus fulfilled. What does that mean? He says, you acted in ignorance, right? You Jews, you acted in ignorance. Your rulers acted in ignorance, right? But through your ignorance, God's will was fulfilled. It didn't matter in the end. God's will was still fulfilled. God will fulfill his good purposes in spite of and even through the opposition of ignorant people. So know that when you're watching the news and you're taking this all in and it's going to be a crazy time coming before the election year, know, know that God will fulfill his good purpose in spite of and through the opposition of ignorant people. That is an amazing thing. Praise God for that. So when you feel discouraged by the disorder and the chaos and the ignorance around you and know that things can get much worse, God didn't, hasn't disappeared. Peter said, you, you ignorant people, your rulers are in it, but it didn't matter. God fulfilled his purpose anyway through those ignorant people. So no matter what kind of opposition we face, no matter what kind of ignorance is ruling the day, nothing is beyond God's power here. Let's be grateful for that. God will fulfill his purposes always. So don't let people fill you with fear. Fear is a tool to control. Have peace that no matter what is going on, he thus fulfilled. Mike Slater, the first TV. Thanks for being here. Spread the word.